0: Welcome to Switcher Chats, music interviews brought to you by Music Matters with Daryl Craig Harris and Music Tribes Unite. Manny Kellogg, how are you doing today?
1: Good, how are you doing my friend?
0: I am good. So we've been friends for a long time. We played together many times and you're a very well-known drummer who's recorded on several hit recordings. You have several gold records, platinum records. And most of those were with Mr. Billy Preston who's very well known as a solo artist also for playing with the Beatles, playing with the Rolling Stones, which we're gonna talk about all that stuff. Um, and we just did an interview recently with for Modern Drummer talking about Charlie Watts, who, who was a good friend. So we're gonna talk about that too. Um, so where are you living to these days?
1: Uh, I'm living on the East coast. I live in, uh, Woodbridge, Virginia.
0: Nice. Is that, are you out there for family or? Yeah, I'm here with, with my family. Yeah. You got, you actually just got married fairly recently. How long, how long have you been married? Uh, going on seven years. Okay. Well, seven years. Yeah, that's, it's yeah. been a while we haven't actually. So we, we kind of lost touch a little bit, um, when you moved back East, cause you were living in Las Vegas and that's how we first met. Um, and uh, so, and then originally you're from Los Angeles, right?
1: That's right. Born and raised in Los Angeles, California.
0: Cool. And you kind of grew up in the church, playing playing drums in the church. Is that how you kind of got started? How, how old were you when you first started playing drums? I was eight years old when I
1: first started playing drums uh, at the Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Los Angeles,
0: California. Wow. That's great. And that's such a great background, right? Because church music is gospel. That, that is just some fun stuff. Yeah, it is. Yeah, really cool.
1: So, so everything comes from gospel, you know. Blues comes from gospel. Then the, the jazz comes from blues. So uh, gospel is is the roots.
0: Now. Yeah, yeah. Rock and roll, all that stuff, right? Came from southern Southern gospel and kind right. of born out of out of Memphis and all that whole that whole story. Um, and then you, I guess you're. I would say you're maybe most famously known for being lifelong friends and basically the only drummer that played with Billy Preston. You recorded all the songs, all the hits. Um, how did you and Billy first meet? How old were you when you guys hooked up?
1: Oh, good gracious. I was probably in my, in my late teens when we first met because, you know, the story goes, I've, I've said it a lot of times, we had, we actually uh, met at Mavericks Flat. But prior to that, you know, Billy and I were playing together in church. Ah, okay. Uh, he was playing at the Victory Baptist Church and then... Uh, I wanted to go over and, and play with him, then he would come to my church, with Pleasant Hill Baptist Church, to sit in. Right. And just vice versa, each Sunday we would just kind of alternate. And then uh, it came about to, uh, I told him, he came to hear our, my group, which was uh, my little high school group called the Rhythm Rebellion. Okay, okay. We, we were playing at Mavericks Flat, mm-hmm. And again you know, I cornered him off in the parking lot right after we finished playing our show at Mavericks Flat, And I told him, I said, you know, I want to, I, 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 really would love to be your drummer. And he said, well, that's, that's really, really, yes, that sounds great. He said, cause I like the way you play. Hmm. And, uh, from that day on, as I, as we talked about before, that lasted, uh, some 25 years plus that includes the church history and going into, uh, the first record of AM, which was
0: I wrote this Wow. Um, Wow. So that's great. So 25 years, that's amazing. And, and I, you know, you had such a wild ride with him. And then how did you guys, so you're playing together. Was that, was he, did he already have a record deal when you first started with him or? I think when I,
1: when I got with him, he was uh, at Apple records, just leaving Apple records. Oh, okay. And in, in, in transition is what it was. Right. Uh, so I got in, I would call it, I was in the middle. Mm. So I was able to go into the new era. Which was going into an uh, AM record.
0: Okay. Yeah. With, with uh, Herb Albert, right? I think. Yeah. Right. Herb Albert, uh, Jerry Moss. Yeah. And th- so his first hits were like Out of Space and Spaced Out. Those were actually instrumentals. Exactly right. Uh, Out of Space, man,
1: was a lot of people don't believe this, but Out of Space was nothing but a jam session.
0: Yeah. Hmm.
1: Uh, it, it was nothing planned. We were actually just warming up in the studio. And Billy, again, Billy starts playing a groove. I'm sitting next to him. He looked at me, and I looked at him, We we smiled and nodded at each other. And uh, I just started playing on top of what he was playing, and everybody came in. Uh, Tommy Vaccari, which was the engineer at AM at that time, brand-new engineer. We were a brand-new group at AM. Tommy Vaccari had the tape running constantly, every, all the yeah. time, the tape. Was. And Tommy happened to capture all that. Uh, and of space became a, became our first gold record. Yeah,
0: and he's kind of uh, he's playing. I think he's playing clavinet on that, right? Right. He's playing everything on
1: that.
0: Yeah, yeah. That, that's a funky People should check that out, man, because it's like a real funky, funky jam. And I played with Billy too later on because of you. And I, you know, I got to know him, and that that really that song really captures his soul, like the, the sense of playfulness. You hear the church in there, like you hear everything's in there, right?
1: Yeah, everything is in there. And the thing about it, again, like, I I have to keep saying this. It was nothing but a jam set. Right. There was no music. There was nothing written down. There was no rehearsal. As a matter of fact, it was really, uh, when you talk about rehearsing, there was never really any rehearsing, anything we did in the studio. Yeah. We just went in and Billy talked about it, played it, and we laid it down. Usually It was like uh, the first take. Was all the way no and more
0: Billy really was, I mean, to me, like I said, getting to know him later on, like he was a savant, really. Like he, he was a, such a genius guy. I mean all you guys were and his playing, especially I mean I guess he's he's probably best known for his his Hammond playing. Yeah. B three, which was straight out of the church.
1: <laughs> so and the thing is you find very few uh should I say keyboardist organ players that can play Hammond B three. And turn around and play the piano just as well, right. you know. And he would play. He would play the piano like nobody's business, which a lot of piano players cannot uh, turn around, and play the piano, and then jump up to the B three and play it with the same type of effect and attack. Right, piano. and that's the
0: thing, because when you when you watch him play, I mean, he's do also do it. He can also do the bass pedals, the whole thing. Like, because I know he started playing. How old is he when he started playing? He was like a child. I mean.
1: Yeah, he was. He was a uh, three years yeah, old. Yeah,
0: because his mom and sisters they were all in the church, right? That's correct. At yeah. choir directors too, I think, right?
1: Yes, his his, uh, his mother was a a very 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 good vocalist, mm. and she played piano. Uh, I think that's where it all started with him being around her. She played piano. Uh, her name was Robbie Williams. Okay. Uh, his sister was uh, Rodina Preston. Right. She was a choir director, and she also played piano. Okay. okay. I mean how can you not lose how can you not pick up from being around that
0: right yeah it's in your blood right (laughs)
1: exactly right yeah
0: i remember his mom brought us that smoked turkey smoked deep fried turkey in dallas (laughs) which is to this (laughs) day is probably one of the best things i've ever tasted in my life
1: (laughs) you you remember that that day oh uh, yeah she brought it all from from, my la yeah yeah
0: yeah. that That was fun 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 memories Um, well, yeah, we'll get to that. That that was a that was a fun time. Um, yeah, cool. So you guys, so you're doing those sessions. You start having hits, and then how did he start singing on on records? Like, because that was kind of like, oh, you can sing too, right? Or how, how did that come about? I,
1: I think really what where that the vocal part came about is that uh, he was in the studio and and I think Herb mentioned that he said, well, you should try singing, putting some lyrics to some of these songs. When I say here, I've been mean, talking about her about. Right. Uh, told him he should put lyrics to it and try singing, and he he never really thought of himself as that much of a singer, same as Nat King Cole did, right? You know, uh, and so Billy st- started messing around, and then he started writing, putting songs to it and lyrics to it, and one thing led to another. Once one hit led to another hit, and it just kept going. You know, again, the first the first the first one was nothing but a, a, a instrumental with no no lyrics at all, mm, right?
0: What was his what was his first uh, singing hit with you guys
1: uh, the first singing hit was uh I believe it was uh, nothing from nothing
0: oh okay well that's a good one to start with
1: <laughs> we'll talk about
0: that in a bit <laughs> well yeah. so tell me that story because I, I that, that's another one that's so so such a soulful song and and just fun and playful right
1: well not, nothing from nothing is, is basically uh, again another of those cute little one-liner that Billy loved to do. He loved to do simple stuff, like I wrote a simple song. Right. Nothing From Nothing was created, again, in the studio, and a good friend of his by the name of Bruce Fisher also co-wrote that song. Uh, Billy Preston and Bruce Fisher co-wrote Nothing From Nothing. Again, it started off with just being another jam session, another instrumental. To be a big old record, a big smash. Uh and then to this very day, I'm very proud to say, Craig, that uh, I've just done a new uh CD myself and I've done a tribute to Billy Preston.
0: Oh awesome.
1: A jazz version of Nothing from Nothing.
0: Right. Yeah, because with you, with you, jazz has always been really close to your heart. Right? In my in my
1: spirit, yes, deep down inside my belly.
0: Hmm. Who, who are some of your um, drumming influences and, and I mean obviously there's some jazz guys but who are some of the biggest influences for you drumming wise
1: uh, I'm going to say back in the high school days would be Sonny Payne Okay. Uh, to this very day my mentor his name is Harold Jones who uh, played for uh, Tony Bennett for a long time and prior to that he played with Natalie Cole he played with Count Basie, right. and we still talk to this very day and I respect him highly and I look up
0: to him as my mentor. Yeah, it's funny. I think, well, I first, I think we first met actually down in Laughlin, Nevada, because you were playing with, with a group down there, if I remember right.
1: Yeah.
0: And, who who, who
1: play was that? Was that Huck Daniel?
0: Uh, it was a bass player that um, he was from the CBS orchestra, right? I think that was a long time ago. <laughs> I remember that Laughlin gig, but I can't
1: remember who I was playing. I know I played down there with Huck Daniel.
0: Right, yeah, it could, well, I could have been with Huck too, but um, I, what I remember because I didn't know you, I just saw you guys playing, and I was like, man, that drummer is something special. You had a certain thing. You have the thing that you do that, and you hear that on those on the records with Billy. There's a swing to your playing that even on the rock and roll stuff, it's still there, which is which is is really cool, and it's a, kind of a signature thing. And I would really encourage people to to check out all the Billy stuff because they're going to hear you, and you have a thing you do with the hi hat and just the vibe of the way you play that is, is unique to your, yourself, which I think, you know, it's something that really stood out to me.
1: Oh, thank you very much, man.
0: Yeah, it's, a, it's true.
1: always wins. I, like, I, like be, I always say if it's not grooving, it ain't swinging. If you, don't have, if you don't have the good groove, you can't have a good strong two and 4 it right. It's got to groove before it can do anything, and I believe in laying it down and keeping it steady
0: yeah i mean that's the thing too because I, I think we're both the same with that that's why we always gelled well playing wise because I mean, i'm a bass player but be, for people that don't know but um i'm the same way like i try to play for the song first and i'm 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 not even second i'm like third or fourth consideration and i think you're you're exactly the same way like you play for the song which you really like on those records you really hear that yes. and that's also part of the reason why you you also played with graham central station which we're going to talk about in a second but um but that that that's a unique thing right like Learning that, I think maybe maybe that for you it came from the church where they're like, hey, hey, kid, just play the play the song, or I don't know I, how did how did that develop for you?
1: Well, the, the, the groove, you know, in church you have you have a very steady groove going on, you know. That's what basically that's where I got it from playing in church, right? Uh, and uh, like right now, what I, I believe in when I play and when I talk to other little uh, young drummers and stuff, you know, I say all the time reading. Reading is not a must. Right. Again, reading is not a must, but it's an asset. Mm. Uh, because if you can groove, like you were saying, you can play the tune. But if you cannot read, you cannot play with somebody that can read because you don't know the language. Right. Yeah. So I, I believe in again, I play with the tune. I play with the melody. I love hearing the melody. I love in the melody line. Mm. Uh again. Me and you used to play together all the time. And I always wanted to be close to you to this very day. I want the bass player in my ear because I want to play that line. We want to play together.
0: Right. Yeah, it's, it's it's they always say find in the pocket, but it's finding the pocket together is super important. And that's what that's what really makes the song, especially on a record, because a rec- play it on a record as I mean, you know, like it's a different thing, right? It's a different approach, yeah. the way you're thinking. Everything you play is heard unlike sometimes live gigs, the, the nuances get lost, but on the record, it's right there. It's in your face. It's nowhere to hide,
1: nowhere to run.
0: Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, and like I said, you really felt I think with, with that stuff that you did with Billy, you really feel a sense of joy. Like, you know, that that's, I mean, like playing with him, that's what I felt. Like, you just feel like even, at, how old was he when we did the thing in Dallas or with Blues Bar? He was in probably his 50s, right? Probably so.
1: I don't even remember how old I was then
0: that yeah, was a while ago yeah so we did a um we did a, a tour it was yeah. called blues bar with phyllis hyman there was a bunch of bunch of awesome folks in that yeah. roger e mosley and all these different guys and um and we rehearsed in dallas for like six weeks then we did some some road dates right? and uh yeah but got a chance to really hang with billy and see him every day and, and interact with him and that was that was really fun because i knew your history with him but it was fun to it was fun to like it was with him. It was funny because a lot, you know, he'd be like, "Well, I talked to George the other day, or I talked to Ringo." And you know, a lot of people would say stuff like that. You'd be like, "Yeah, sure," but with him, it was true.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was true, yeah. But what I did, uh, speaking on 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 that line right there, uh, George and Paul were some. I mean, the whole all of the guys were fantastic.
0: Yeah, all the Beatles. I, I
1: think I kind of had a special bond with, with George and Paul.
0: Yeah, because they all had very different personalities, right?
1: They were very nice people. They were just down-to-earth cats, man. You know, I had to...
0: Had to... When, when, did, when did you, uh, to back up a little bit, when did you first meet those guys?
1: We were in uh, in England. I think we were, we might
0: have been on a Rolling Stone,
1: that Rolling Stone tour. And right,
0: we, goat, Goat's Head Soup.
1: Goat's right. Head Soup. That was in 1973. Yeah. So it had to been like 1973. Oh, okay. Yeah, cool. when, I was, when I was in, in London, the village.
0: He was doing the stuff with the Beatles. Were you? Would you go over with him and hang out with him, or how did that work? Or you guys? I know you guys were also touring over there, but
1: no, I, I never, I never did uh, do any any recording with him, or I never hung out with him. A lot yeah. of times he would he would go over uh, if there was going to be some recording done. He would go over before us, and then we would fly over later. You know.
0: Oh, okay, and then, yeah, then meet him and, and then go do a tour. Right, or, right, right. Yeah, because he was. I mean, you guys are really popular in Europe, right? Very popular. As a matter of fact, we
1: recorded a live uh, called Live in Europe. And uh oh. I've got to try to find that too. I was
0: gonna say I'd like to hear
1: that. <laughs> yeah, it was it was on that Rolling Stone tour.
0: Yeah, so let's let's talk about that because we actually just did a um it's gonna be coming up fairly soon. There's gonna be a a tribute issue of Modern Drummer and um and obviously Charlie's gonna that's probably gonna be one of their biggest episodes because Charlie Watts was such a, a huge influence and just been around forever yeah um so tell me so you guys you guys on the goat's head soup tour which was a tour f- for the album that i think billy actually played on the album a little bit too right
1: yeah yeah we all did
0: yeah oh, okay they, oh. it
1: was it, that was recorded live in, in europe oh okay um, i mean the, the i'm sorry the live portion was it was called Goatshead Soup, but the, billy right. played on that and i right. i did some percussion work on it when we were in europe
0: right so you so you, um so that's 73, and Billy, so on that tour, Billy actually, you guys actually opened for the Stones, which must have been really crazy. It was. And then after you guys opened for the Stones, you would play percussion with them, and Billy play organ, right, on that tour? That's wow. correct. So tell me what that was like, because that must have been crazy, <laughs> especially like 73. Those guys are hitting hard, right?
1: It was, it, it was. I'll put it this way, it was crazy, wild, and a lot of fun. Uh, wow. To, to be on stage... And have maybe 35, 45, 50,000 people that, that in the front of you, as far as you can see, was nothing but people. And I had never played in uh, in a capacity like that before. It was just exciting. Every night was different. Uh, never, knew what Nick, never knew what Mick was gonna do. You know, he <laughs> yeah, may come
0: out in, in a diaper or something, you know. Or... Yeah, there might have been some, there might have been some substances involved too. <laughs>
1: Who knows? Uh, I
0: don't, yeah, I don't. Not know, with you, not hard with hard you, yet. but I'm just saying. That. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll plead the fifth on that one. But <laughs> I'll plead the
1: fifth on that, but I t- again, I tell you, it was a lot of fun, crazy and wild every night, uh, on stage, off stage, on the tour bus, on the tour plane. Uh, it was. It was just wild, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah, that, and that's. I mean, like they said, that's sort of like prime time for them. They were having all their big hits coming out, and yeah. um, plus, you, like you said, the Beatles thing is f- floating around too. That so that must have been. How was that? Like cause you're still at that point. You're still a young guy, um, and you kind of grew up in inner city L.A. And all of a sudden, you're on tour with the Stones in Europe. That must have been like just flipped your flipped your whole brain around. Or how was that?
1: You know, when when I when I look back and think about it, I was like twenty five around. Right. Uh, it was just like you said it was just mind-blowing because i've never been in anything like that before yeah well most people haven't (laughs) (laughs) this very day (laughs) right (laughs) this very day can can uh, can speak on something like that and just feel the magnitude of it you know and you can actually feel that energy in in that auditorium or in the field we played in in big parks and stuff, man, as far as you could see, there was nothing right. for people. You know, we played yeah. at the Eiffel Tower. Uh and as far as you could see back behind the Eiffel Tower was nothing. Yeah, that park. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That that's awesome. Like, you know, and and uh did you when well, you're doing that kind of stuff, are you kind of pitching yourself saying like how did this happen or how, what, how are you feeling? I felt how did
1: it happen? But I again, you know how they say I was just in the right place at the right time right uh when they asked billy to uh be the opening act for for the stones i was there i was billy's drummer then we opened then they wanted to have a percussionist uh to be there and who else is there to play but me
0: right yeah yeah you're you're the obvious guy and and so tell me so we did that we did a little um episode focused only on charlie that's going to be coming out soon but so tell me about playing with Charlie Watts and your interaction with him because you guys became pretty close, right?
1: Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. And the, as I think about it this very day, it's, it's hard to believe that Charlie's gone. Uh, yeah. We were really close talking about uh, doing the tours when we were on the tour bus, uh, limousines, or either on the, on the, on the big plane right. that we all traveled on, you know, when we had to go a long distance. Charlie and I would sit together because we were kind of – hmm. Almost detached, we were just kind, yeah, of, you guys were kind
0: of compadres, right? <laughs> yeah.
1: We were just, we were just kind of low key and out of the way, and we were sitting together. And, and, and Charlie might look over miss me and say, Benny, what the hell are they doing over there?" You know? <laughs> I, said, I don't know, Charlie. He said, "What the hell? I can't really." He's like, you. "I don't, I don't want to know. <laughs> I, I don't want to know." But I mean, <laughs> I mean, I'm just gonna put puts leaf stuff in the air you know to the imagination uh right. probably and I yeah. would hang out a lot man and we just became very good friends
0: i was yeah, you said you told me at one point he actually even asked you if you wanted to come back and play a stones on 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 stage with the with the or play a drum kit yeah. with the stones right how was how was that were you like what
1: <laughs> But i was it was scary you know yeah. I, I i shook my head i don't know if the cameras even caught that but i said I turned around and shook my head because he wanted me to come up from where I was on the front of the stage, and come up on the platform back and play his drum set. You know, yeah. Uh, I guess he just had that much respect for me. We had that much respect for each other musically, you know.
0: Yeah, because those guys too. They they should say like the Stones. They really grew up listening to to um, soul music, black music, rock and roll music, and they had a a, even the Beatles too. They they've spoken about this, but they had a real. Deep respect for for what you guys created, right? They they had a, I, I'm sure Charlie felt that with you because he had he, you know you guys were having hits. He was hearing those songs too, um, and then hearing you play every night.
1: Yeah, and you know the thing about it, Craig, when I would be on stage playing, Charlie would be in the wings watching me play. Right. You know, yeah. and we were just that close, you know. And then uh, mm-hmm. I I may get off stage and say, hey man, how did I how did I do tonight? You know. And uh, he'd come to me at the end of the night. And say, "Manny, I'm not, how did I play? How do, you know? How how, how did I do? Did I sound okay tonight?" And yeah. I would say, "You sound great, man, as always." He said, "Oh shit,
0: you know." <laughs> <laughs> I can't, yeah, I it's wish
1: I could cool. say he, what he would be saying. <laughs> no, I know,
0: I, but he he um, it's interesting actually because there's an interesting parallel because you guys were both basically self-taught. I think I, I think Charlie was kind of coming from that same place. And then you guys stylistically also had very much your own thing because he has a thing where he doesn't play the snare and the hat together. Um, yeah, it, and that was a really unique thing, I didn't right? I out how he did that. I know, because it's kind of a mind twister when you watch him play. <laughs> you know, you,
1: you play them both together, but he had a different way of doing the hi hat and the snare. Right. And I asked him, I said, man, how do you do that? How, how, tell me what you're doing. He said, I don't know. I'm just playing, man yeah you know
0: yeah, he was saying he was saying i've seen interviews where you he because i just didn't know i was doing anything different <laughs> because it just, it just felt natural
1: if you look at it, uh, going to a uh what's his name that played bass tower of power he really didn't right. know what he was playing yeah rocco yeah yeah rocco didn't know until one night they i think they hooked up a machine to it or something wrote down with the stuff that he was playing he didn't right. believe he was playing all that stuff yeah
0: yeah. You know, well, yeah, you kind of like that. I mean, that becomes such a part of you, you. It's second nature. It's like breathing. You don't think about how you breathe. You just do it, right?
1: Just doing it. It's <laughs> just, just, just like uh, putting one foot in front of the other
0: one. Yeah. So tell me about um, playing with Graham Central Station. So that's Larry Graham. But back in the day was, well, still, he's known as Mr. Funk bass player. Right, right. Kind of the originator of the slap bass thing, which has become a huge deal. Um, tell me about how that happened because you weren't the original drummer but you played on some of his biggest records right?
1: That's correct I was not the uh, original drummer the original drummer for Grand Central Station his name was Willie Sparks mm-hmm. and uh, I got in the group uh, probably right around early 1974 right. and uh, the keyboard player that used to play with Billy his name was Robert Sam we used to call him Butch uh, at the time, Billy was on kind of a hiatus, and he was not; he just took a break from playing. And so, right. I was available to play, and they asked. And Robert Samson came and said, "Hey, man, the uh, uh, Grams sensation Larry's looking for a drummer. Willie's not doing too well; I think he got sick or something." And know. so, I went up to Oakland and uh, drove my car to Oakland and auditioned and played in one rehearsal. And then Larry said, ah, "Man, you sound great. Like you like to play with the group, man?" I said. I said, "You gotta be kidding!" I said. He said, "No, I'm serious." Said, well, would you like to play? I said, "Yes, I would love to play." And it started from there. Uh, again, that was in 1974. Uh, from then, we went on to uh, the the uh, Ain't Nobody Doubted album, right? Uh, I believe was the first the first gold record, gold album that the group had, and I was privileged to play on and be a part of.
0: Yeah, and you're listed. I think on that record, you're listed as the, the deacon, right?
1: <laughs> I was listed as the deacon on there, but Billy's the one that gave me the name, of the deacon. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, if you were coming uh, from I, the church. Or... <laughs> yeah, from the church, and uh, I, I questioned. I, I used to ask him, well, "How did I get the name of the deacon?"
0: And he <laughs> said, uh, "Well, people that know you, they, they know why." <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, he would tell me. He said, "Well, you're the only one that
0: I didn't have to go get out of jail." Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, that's like because you were the, the good guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You were like the, good, Watts, the God-fearing, God-fearing church guy. <laughs> I, was,
1: I, was, I was a little innocent cat sitting in the corner, you know, like, again, like Charlie Watts. We were, we were totally away from everybody, you know. Right, right. But, again, uh, going back to Grand Central Station, it was such a great honor to be a part of, of such a – talking about a funky group, man, playing some of the – some of the wildest, funkiest licks and grooving yeah. Larry was such a privilege. And I, I, I remember those days to this very day. And we went on again. We went on to get a gold album for that and also a Grammy nomination. Yeah. best
0: new order yeah it's funny so the gold record thing and oh well, now some of those are probably platinum especially the billy stuff is probably platinum but by now but um it's funny because when i used to go to your house you were with your mom and i remember you had all these gold records sitting on the floor behind the chair <laughs> <laughs> on the floor right <laughs> on the floor and and i i went over there and i said i told you one time when i went over there i am like you know if I had gold records, I have them nailed up to the front door. Everybody in the world would see my gold records. And then the next time I came over, they were up on the wall.
1: <laughs> to this very day, Craig, thanks to you, they're still on the wall. I have a, yeah. I have a, I have a room full, and I call it the gallery. And, and that's what's around all of my memorabilia, pictures, and everything.
0: Yeah, we have to talk to the uh the the um is it the I I A? I can't remember who who does issues those, but some of those have probably gone platinum since then because those songs still sell, especially the Billy stuff, right? Yeah. Um yeah, we should probably get find you some Find out. New award. know. Yeah, yeah. Cause we can we can check on that. Cause I think they probably some of those have been upgraded to platinum by now. Really? <laughs> it's, been, yeah. it's been a few years, right?
1: I would love to know, man. If so, I would love to get my hands on.
0: Yeah, we can find out. We can check for you. Um cool. So what um you what are you up to these days? You you have you're doing a lot of jazz stuff. You're doing you're still doing recording. So tell me tell me what you've been up to recently.
1: Uh, basically, I have just completed uh, uh, my latest CD entitled uh, "Manny Kellogg and Friends: Speaking of Jazz, East to West Coast," and that title came about because I'm using uh, musicians on the East Coast as well as musicians on the West Coast, and so I come. Oh, okay, cool.
0: And then, um, where are you, are you, are you? How can people get those records, or how can they they listen to them? Are they like? Are they out on the digital thing, like Spotify and that kind of stuff, or how they? How can they find you?
1: They are. They're on all the platforms: Spotify, uh, Pandora, all the, all the digital platforms. They can be uh, picked
0: up. And um, also, too, so your your social media. It's, it's just, they can find you as at Manny Kellogg, right? Yes. And I'll spell your last name. It's K-E-L-L-O-U-G-H. Right. And they can find you on, on Facebook. And I think you have Instagram too, right?
1: I have, I have Instagram, tweet, Twitter, Twitter.
0: Yeah, all that stuff.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> There's too many to name. I know. It's like alphabet soup.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Cool. So you're recording, you're still doing, are you still playing? I mean, obviously COVID's been challenging, but you're still doing live stuff, right?
1: I am. I am. And I'm uh, very pleased to say uh, this past September 1st, I celebrated my uh, 73rd birthday. Wow. Awesome. 60th year behind the drum set.
0: Hmm. Awesome. Yeah. I should say too, if people want to use you for sessions and recording, which they should because you're, you're, A great player Um, they can also reach out to you about that too if you want if they want you as a guest artist on a record or
1: they could as a matter of fact uh, you have all of my information Uh, yeah you could they can contact uh, you at your email or however Mm -hmm. and uh, you can relay it to me and I'll be glad to you know answer to that call
0: yeah we'll put uh, we'll put all your information on the uh, podcast listing all the all the all the links and that kind of stuff What's, what's some advice that you would give to younger musicians? Not just even not just drummers, but just musicians in general. Like, what's some of the biggest lessons that you learned along the way?
1: What I, What I've learned is that uh, discipline. If you are gonna be on a stage, if you're gonna be playing behind somebody, they wanna they wanna be able to depend on you. Uh, they don't know they wanna know. I'm sure you know as well. They wanna know that you're gonna be on time. You're gonna dress appropriately. You're going to be nice. You're not going to come with an attitude. Uh, right. And I I, I try to instill that to this very day, you know, because people don't care how good you play. You know, if you come today, if you come to their gig with an attitude, they're going to send you back to where you came from. They don't have time right. for your attitudes or nothing like that. So just have fun with the music, take the music seriously, and, and, and just be happy with what you're doing and thank God for every day that you're able to do it. That's
0: what I do. Yeah, and I think maybe because of the whole COVID thing, a lot of people have have, have reassessed why they play and their future, how moving forward, right? Because like I, I'm the same. We're very similar with that. Like I'm every gig I've gotten, I I'm very thankful. Yeah. And I try to show up with humility, show up, and be prepared, and like you said, being nice because you get to a you get to a certain level where everybody can play. Everybody's a good player. But then it becomes, who do I want to travel with? And who do I want to sit on the bus with? (laughs) Because often that can actually determine who gets the gig, right?
1: That's exactly right. You know, I have played for a lot of people in my 60 years. And again, I have been fired from a lot of people in my 60 years for not uh, doing what they wanted me to do. And me, with my arrogant little self at the time, trying, trying to play Manny, and not what yeah. they wanted me to play. So, right. you know, you, you got to be able to do what the artist wants you to do and not what you want to do. We know we can play, but right. they can care. They can care less about how many notes you can play or how many rudiments you know. They want to know if you can be on time and play what they want you to play.
0: Right, yeah, and do it with, with humility and, and- Right, and fun and, and, and have a good- time Yeah, and serving you. serving the music. Right. I mean, that, that's the thing that you hit, you know, from all the stuff that you did with Billy, which you can tell, because everybody, all those guys are great players, uh, obviously, including yourself. Right. But what you can tell is that it's, you guys worked extremely well as a unit. And, and I think, you know, I know he, from where he was coming from, it was just about enjoying the music, having fun. And you guys also too, you all grew up together, Which was made even more special, right?
1: Right, right, right. You know, and 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 Billy was very concerned about the people he had around him because he didn't want, again, he didn't want anybody with attitudes around him at all. And uh, matter of fact, he wrote a tune once uh, about one of the keyboard players called "A Bad Case of Ego." (laughs) (laughs) Did you remember that tune? Did you ever hear it? I doubt. No. You got got a bad case of ego. (laughs) <laughs> uh and unfortunately this this keyboard player didn't last. He went home the next day.
0: I mean, obviously I didn't know him as, as well as you did, but just getting hanging out with him and talking with him, he was a, a pretty humble guy. Like he he knew who he was, but but he he wasn't an arrogant, snotty guy at all. He was a really sweet man.
1: Very much. Down to earth matter of fact. I I can recall one time uh we were in New York. Uh, I didn't have any money. I was, you know, I just, I, I think he just overheard me say, Mom, I'm, I'm hungry, but I, I don't have any money. And I wasn't right. trying to say it for him to, you know, to give me. Anything.
0: Right.
1: Yeah. Uh, he walked over and said, Deep, you don't have no money. I was, I, I, the way he said it, I was getting scared, you know. But <laughs> he was paying us, but, you know, I didn't have any money. He turned around right. and gave me $100 and said, Go get yourself a hamburger. Yeah. You
0: know?
1: yeah. And he was like that. He would give you the shirt off his back, you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he's a sweet, a sweet All man.
1: the time, he was never, never a very arrogant person. And you can ask anybody that he's ever played for, will tell you the exact same thing. Yeah, but just don't piss him off.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we saw. <laughs> well, I'm the same way. About. We won't talk about days, but there was a few people that we rehearsed with that he was a little frustrated with. <laughs> <remember> those <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. the same but way. But still, he, was, he a... still wasn't. Me- he wasn't mean. He was just frustrated. <laughs> I'm
1: I'm I'm humble the same way, but just don't piss me
0: off. You know? Yeah, yeah. I think we're all I think we're all like that. Especially like for me, I, I you know when I'm there, I'm there for the music and anything that interferes with the music. Like if you got drug problems or drinking problems or any of that kind of stuff, right. if it if it adversely affects the music, then it, then that's I don't get angry very often. But that's the stuff that does make me angry. Like I want to focus on like, hey, let's have a good time and let's get the job done because it is a job, right?
1: That's right. That's right. And that's what you're there for. You know, yeah. that's what you're there for. I can remember back to the platter days.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah.
1: You know, uh that was another saga that I really don't want to talk about. But uh <laughs> yeah. you were there then with the platter. I think uh, you I think you're the one that brought me into the platter.
0: Yeah, the Sonny Turner. The Sonny yeah. Turner, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Sunny's a sweet guy, but yeah, that's it's you know, those gigs are hard. it's challenging, you got different personalities. You gotta I mean that's something too I learned as a player, and I learned it really young because I was I was like eighteen. And I was playing with the champs, the uh, Danny Flores, who did the song Tequila, the sax player. And um, those guys were all in their 50s and 60s. And I was like 18 years old. <laughs> and he sat me down. He's like, I want you to play this. And he showed me the the part for Tequila, the bass part. And he's like, just, you know, show up, be nice, you know, and, and, and we worked all the time. But that was a good lesson because those, those were guys that I respected. They were Orange County guys in California. Yeah, yeah. And, and they knew, like, the Righteous Brothers. They knew all these folks. And um, But their whole thing was like, hey, kid, you know, do this. Just do what we say, and you're going to be okay. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> I didn't fight that. And I think you were kind of in the same situation. That's kind of what you got in the church, right? It was like, here, play the part. Play the music.
1: <laughs> just play what you're here to play. Just play this. Right. Matter of fact, Deacon Avery is
0: the one that told me, just play it like this. Don't play nothing else.
1: Right. And that's, yeah. that's where I got the steadiness from. Play right. the part. Just play the part.
0: Yeah, because anybody that hears you play, what they're going to pick up on is that you're just rock solid and you're all about the groove. There's no no extra notes. You know, that was a Jonathan Moffat thing. We sat behind him. You know, Jonathan played with Michael Jackson. He played with a bunch of people. And we sat behind him down south. He did a gig with Cameo and he was playing drums with them. And me and our drummer sat right behind him. And I was like, man, this is like going to school. I said, uh-huh. because that, there is not that guy is not playing one extra note, solid as a rock.
1: <laughs> you know
0: and if you do that you'll work all you'll work all the time right, right.
1: And, if, and if you if you go contrary to that uh you'll be probably on the next plane or maybe the next bus the next day right uh, yep. i've heard i got to a gig with playing with with karma mccray because the drummer got in her way the first set right and uh the bass player called me to come play the last half of the show finished the weekend. She fired him right on the spot.
0: Yeah. You know. That's, yeah, because she she, yeah, she doesn't play.
1: <laughs> but she She didn't play. No. Uh-uh. Yeah. You know, you learn a lot from, I learned a lot from playing with those kind of people, playing with the Carmen McRae's, the uh, main ingredient, Ray Charles. You know, it's all like you said, it's like going to school. You yeah. Know, you play what they want you to play. You know, don't get, please don't get in the way of what they're
0: trying to do. Yeah, and that and that's that's just a good lesson for uh, for music and life. <laughs> you know, play play for the team, and then then people are going to want you around, right? Stay in your lane. Yeah, exactly. Hey, Manny, thank you so much for joining us. Um, and it's actually, I mean, it's funny because uh, we've talked quite a few times. So obviously, we've been longtime friends. And one of the things that's going to be coming up where people are going to hopefully be seeing you is. Um, I don't know if they're inducting Billy into the Hall of Fame, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, or I'm not sure if they're doing a tribute. I think they're inducting him,
1: Yes, yeah, my are. understanding. They are. They are. They
0: are. And um, so I was actually contacted because we had done a, a video interview maybe now 10 or 11 years ago, and they're going to use portions of that for his induction when they, when they do the TV ceremony. So that the people are going to be seeing you there, and also um, you're going to be involved in the Modern Drummer tribute to uh, Charlie Watts And then Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is also doing a tribute to him. So they requested that video of you also. (laughs) So pretty cool, pretty cool stuff. So people are are definitely going to be um, seeing you coming up. And uh, what's your last words of like advice to people? Or what what would you want to say about your legacy? What do you think?
1: I think I'd like uh, to remain and be known as uh, Manny Kellogg, wonderful player, wonderful person. He was a good guy. Yeah, that's yep. the way I would like to uh, be remembered, you
0: know. And I, right, and I mean, you've got a lot of years to go, so we we'll, we'll <laughs> too too, too, uh, too posthumously, but that is true. And that's that's something I've always liked about you. You're a nice, humble man, and uh, with a, a great legacy. And I think it's important for people to know your contrib- contribution to modern music because it's actually a really big contribution. Thank you. And Billy's music and what you guys created is going to live on for, forever, and it's it's exciting that that to be able to you know share that with people and have them get to know you better
1: thank you Greg thank you very much
0: you are very welcome so people are going to be able to um we put the audio on uh, our podcast outlets which is all the major ones iHeartRadio Apple Podcasts Spotify there's a long list and then the video portion will be seen on Music Crowns and on Bass and Guitar Love which are two of our Facebook pages that have about seven million followers so that's all going to be coming out together. So people can look for that on both on both outlets, both forums. And uh, we'll put all your links on the podcast um, episode release so people can find you, get a hold of you. I would encourage people to, um, if they want to have you play on sessions or that kind of thing, to definitely consider that because I think you can, add, you can bring a lot to anything that you're recording. And it'd be nice to get you out there on some more records. Thank you. I'd love to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And and we'll, we'll do our best to make that happen. So um, thank you so much for joining me, Manny. I really appreciate it. And, and uh, I just definitely stay blessed and 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 all that out, out, out of the East Coast.
1: I appreciate it, man. And uh, you keep me in your prayers, man. And we have to uh, get together sometime and go eat some barbecue somewhere like we used to do.
0: Yeah, there's some good barbecue in Virginia. (laughs) I know a few places. But uh, all right, man, cool. Thank you so much for joining me, Manny. Oh, it's more than than a pleasure, man. Talk to you again sometime soon. Yeah, have an awesome day. God
1: bless. Bye-bye.
0: You can follow us on all major podcast outlets at Music Matters with Daryl Craig Harris. Thanks for joining us and catch you next time.